This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals. But don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Hello, Internet. Welcome back to Growth Decoded the only internet show about the customer experience that you're watching at this very moment. We're here to help you improve the way that your customers experience your business and ultimately to grow your business. I'm your host, Ernie Santarelli, and I'm joined as always by our leafy co-host here, the physical embodiment of growth itself, Plantasia, the official plant of Growth Decoded. Now today, we're investigating the topic of blog writing. That's right, blog writing. It's not just an activity for people to share their travel stories disguised as food recipes. It's more than a digital dumping ground for your feelings, an electronic replacement for your journal. It's actually a tool that can establish you and your business as an authority on a given subject or within a given industry. It can work to build trust with your potential and current customers. It can answer their questions. It can generate leads for you. It can elevate the opinion of your business in the minds of consumers everywhere. And... It can do all this passively, 24-7. It's always on if you do it well. Now, you might be thinking here, blogging? Ha! There's no way that blogging still delivers results. That's so 10 years ago or more. It's not worth the time. It's not worth the effort. It's old news. And to that, I'd say, well, 77% of bloggers disagree. 77% of bloggers say that that their blogs still deliver some or strong results. Now, that being said, it's not easy and it's not getting easier. Now, as you can see here, the results are pretty much the same across the last seven or so years, but that doesn't mean that blogging is not worthwhile. In fact, having a blog on your website makes you appear more credible. It makes you more trustworthy and it makes you appear more in general. The more content that you put out, the more of a chance that you have to rank for that content, to appear in search results for various keywords and keyword phrases, especially if you take the time to write a high-quality, long-form piece of content that's relevant to your business, to your website, and to your audience. Now, one of the first problems that you're going to face if you're just starting out, and one of the most consistent problems that you'll face as you continue to create blog content is, what the heck do I write about? How do I choose a topic? And then once you start writing, how do you get over writer's block? What do you do when you get stuck? Now, to answer that question, we're going to hear from Lee Odin. Lee is a B2B marketing strategist. He's an author. He's an international speaker and the CEO of Top Rank Marketing. I had the privilege of sitting down with Lee in October at Content Marketing World where I got to ask him about blogging, writer's block, and how to get over writer's block. So let's hear what Lee has to say. I actually spent um, not nearly as much time or as many words as you uh, writing for the Active Campaign blog, and uh, I, you know that was the first time that I had really experienced writer's block in like a serious way. Um, it's definitely a thing, and it and it sucks. Um, so I'm curious, how do you when you find yourself in a creative rut or in, in writer's block, how do you get through it? That's a great question, and and you know 13 or what, 16 years I suppose of blogging. Yeah, absolutely, writer's block has been a thing, and so. When you have active engagement with a community, um, you'll never run out of ideas. So, like in my case, when 
I am having conversations with prospective customers or existing customers, yeah. or I listen in on our account manager calls, it's a gold mine because I hear the actual questions buyers have about the solutions that we might offer or about the category of solutions that we offer. And they give inspiration to what we could write about. Now, this ties back to the purpose of our blog is to create value for you know, our industry, but it is absolutely a marketing tool for our agency. There's, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so we're not just covering news or anything like that. We're actually trying to create useful utility type of content, but also thought leadership content around the kinds of things that are important to the audience we're trying to sell to or mm-hmm. have relationships with. So when you are connected to a community, um, whether you know if you have a Twitter account, you have LinkedIn, um, you can post polls and questions and you can instigate conversations, and you can get a lot of really interesting ideas yep. um, that way. There's also tools that I use, like BuzzSumo has a mm-hmm. question analyzer tool. I can pop keywords into that, and it'll literally give me a list of the questions people are asking about that topic. Well, I can just use those and answer them yep. in a blog post. Um, yeah. and, and there's some uh, SEO tools like Sem, uh, um, SEMrush, mm-hmm. or SEMrush, uh, Keyword Magic Tool has a question research. So it, it's based on what people are literally typing questions into Google. And then Google will, you know, give you a list. Right. Um, they scrape that and, and then make it available as a database. So you can, again, see what kinds of questions are relevant to a particular topic. Yeah. And then, again, you answer them in your blog. Okay, more on those keyword tools in just a second. Let's talk about generating ideas and finding ideas first. Now, like all things that deal with the customer experience, your blog should start with the customer. Now, we talk a lot on this show about the two golden rules of the customer experience. Number one, know your customer. And number two, manage your customer's expectations. Blog writing has a lot to do with that first rule. Everything, actually. How well do you know your customer? How well do you know your audience? More specifically, How well do you know the questions that they ask that pertain to your product, service, or offering? How well do you know the problems they have that your business helps them to solve? What are all the different ways that those problems manifest themselves in their lives, in their jobs, in their their day-to-day? And what are the words that they use to talk about those problems? Each of those questions, those problems, those situations that arise for them, that could be a good topic for a blog. Each of the answers they have, the words that they use to talk about those problems, those are the words that you want to use in your blog. Those words resonate. They work because they're real. Put the customer at the forefront of your blog and everything that you do, for that matter, and and watch what happens. To achieve success with your blog, you really need to get into the mind of your audience, right? What, What types of questions, not only that they want answers to, but that they type into a Google search, Those are the opportunities. Those are the places that you're most likely to pop up and get some attention in the search results to help answer their questions, to to help them, and then to enter the conversation as a viable solution or a longer-term basis. AKA, these are the opportunities that you have to gain a customer, to gain a follower, to gain a fan. If you're creating a blog in hopes that you're going to be found in search, if that's your primary goal, there are a few things to think about here, right? So first, don't let it be your primary goal in creating blog content. Instead, focus on answering those important questions and providing that helpful, relevant information for your audience. If your content is good, meaning 
if it does those things, then people will naturally gravitate to it. They'll read it, they'll stay on the page longer, and Google will recognize your content as being high quality. It's a positive feedback loop, or I guess it would go this way. But it all starts with content that actually helps people solve a problem that they have. Now, as for the actual keywords that you rank for, it's much better and it's much more feasible for you to rank for specific keyword phrases, long ones, full questions even. Why? Okay, well, let's think about this for a second. Keywords, <clears throat> excuse me, keywords with a high search volume and a broad appeal are going to be way harder to rank for because there's a lot of competition for them. Not only that, but those keywords are probably going to be owned by bigger brands with huge websites and a ton of authority, not to mention the ad dollars. Now, Google has a ton of history to go by, and those brands are trusted widely and probably for a long time. So you're likely not going to have too much of a chance to break into the rankings for these big, giant, high-volume keywords unless you can create something way better. But you know what? It's actually a good thing for you because of one very important reason and that is intent. Okay, uh, let's, let's put on our imagination caps for a second, and let's say that you're an audio equipment business. You sell things like turntables, speakers, receivers, wiring, all the accessories that go with that. You've got a storefront, but recently, a lot of your business is online in your e-commerce store. You, you want to establish yourself as a thought leader and a trustworthy voice in the industry, and you'd like to start a blog to increase the organic traffic to your website to generate some awareness for your business and then ultimately to generate new sales. Okay, so recently you've been selling a lot of turntables and turntable accessories. You've fielded a lot of questions about records, about vinyl care. Maybe you should write a blog about it. It checks all those boxes, right? You know there's interest, you know there's questions, and you know the solution. You've got expertise. It's time to share it. But what should this blog be about, right? Vinyl care, records, turntables, it's all very broad in general. Maybe you just want to do vinyl records in general. That's got to have the best potential ROI and the biggest audience of people searching for it, right? Uh, not quite. Now, a broad keyword like vinyl records is going to be pretty competitive. So let's, let's take a look at it. First thing to notice here at the top, 1.5 billion search results. That's a lot of competition that you're going to have to beat out. Next, the first four results are paid ads. The fifth is the website that holds the top organic spot, and that is also the site that holds the top ad spot. So it's going to be pretty hard to beat that, especially with a blog, because none of these are blogs. They're product pages. They're home pages. They're big box storefront uh, websites. The chances of you beating out these domains with a blog are pretty slim. Okay, so let's get a little more specific here. What about um, best way to clean a vinyl record without a brush? More specific, let's take a look at that one. Ah, here we go. Only 9.3 million search results. Now, 9.3 is still a massive number and a ton of competition, but it's six-tenths of a percent of the results for that than that more broad keyword that we just looked at. Okay, now let's look at the results. The first result here is a blog and it's got the, the featured snippet, which is this preview text at the top. But what about a little further down? Okay, great. It looks like all of these results are blogs, and the domains here aren't massive businesses, right? This is a pretty competitive search page. Uh, not only that, but let's think about the intent behind these searches. 
Okay, the more specific that you get, the more intentional the search is. The first search, vinyl records. Broad, generic, pretty unhelpful, right? What are you looking for? Just, just records, vinyl records? Are you looking for a specific record? Are you looking for new ones, for original ones, first pressings, information on how they're made? I mean, that search could be about literally anything in the realm of vinyl records. The second search tells a story. You can actually picture the person who's searching for it, right? They've got a dirty vinyl. They want to clean it, but they don't want to damage it. They don't have a brush, or maybe they don't want to spend money on a brush, or maybe they're in a cabin that their family owns and they found an old record and there's no brush there, but they want to clean it and there's a turn to, I don't know what the situation, but there's a story here, right? There's an intention. So they turn to the internet for an answer and you, as the thought leader, can be there for them. Now, another example of this, if we want to kind of get out of our imagination caps would be something like uh, CRM software, right? You could search for a very broad CRM software or you could search for something more specific, like how do I implement a new CRM? There's a big difference in the search intent there, right? One is specific and one isn't. So targeting longer keywords, more specific searches, particular questions, it's not only going to help you rank, but it's gonna help you get in front of the right people. The people that have problems that you can solve. Now, one caveat here, you also wanna be sure that the people are actually searching for this thing that you wanna write about, okay? So Lee mentioned some tools there a few minutes ago, SEMrush, BuzzSumo, those are certainly great. Um, there's also tools like Moz and even Google Trends where you can type in phrases and see what kind of traffic they're getting on Google over time. Now, I personally like Moz because it shows you a couple of different things. It shows you monthly search volume, uh, difficulty to rank, click-through rates, and related keywords. It's a pretty great tool. So let's put the keywords that we had for the vinyl record store into Moz and see what we're looking at here. Okay, so. Here's the results for vinyl records. It's got a lot of search volume, right? 30.3 to 70.8 thousand monthly searches. Uh, it's got relatively high difficulty at 46. But the more specific phrase, it has lower volume, sure, but the difficulty is also lower. And though the volume is lower, you can be sure that the intent behind the search is not. Okay, so more specific keywords, questions, problems that you're looking to solve in your blog. It doesn't only make the process of blogging easier, right? You have more parameters about what you need to say, but it also makes the process of getting the right eyes on it easier as well. Because they'll naturally gravitate towards articles that answer the exact question that they have or provide the exact information that you're looking for. So once you've identified a topic, search for it yourself, just like we did. What comes back is the SERP. S-E-R-P, Search Engine Results Page. Now, to write the best blog possible for a given keyword, you're gonna wanna analyze the SERP. What's going on there? First of all, are the results blogs? If they are, it's a good sign. If they're not, what are they? Is it a mix of things? Is it product pages? Is it home pages? What are you looking at here? The reason you wanna do this is because Google is smart right? And you're not going to outsmart it or convince it by writing a blog post for a specific keyword that it already doesn't think is best served with a blog post. So that's the first thing. The second is, if they are blogs, what kind of blogs are they, right? There are how-to guides, there are product reviews, there are listicles, which is a, 
a combination of list and article, right? It's it's an article that lists a bunch of things, like 35 different ways to do this, or 13 of the best strategies for something, or 842 words that start with the letter S. You get it. You get it. But this is an important point, because Google is also telling you which type of blog content it thinks best answers this question or best serves this keyword query. So you want to make note of that and write an article that's probably similar in style or format. If it's a how-to guide, how long is it? If it's a product review, how comprehensive is it? If it's a list, is it a long list? Is it a short list? How many items are on it, right? Click into the results. Actually look at them, read them. Could you write a better blog than what's currently here? Now, we've talked a lot about writing for Google so far, which is important, but it's not the most important. Again, remember, you're writing for humans. So uh, let's turn back to Lee for a second. What are, what are some common mistakes that you know, you've seen writers commit um, as far as you know, an actual blog writing goes? Not empathizing with your audience, really. Um, another one would be being too SEO-centric. Uh, yes. Of course. And, and writing for the algo mm -hmm. or algorithm uh, more than writing for humans. Um, there's a simple formula that I've had our writers follow that I've tried to follow. It's like, you know, what is it? <laughs> of yeah. course. Um, how does it work for me or what does it mean to me? And then what do I do next? Mm. Always make sure you're answering those three questions. And I think one of the most common mistakes people make is they don't do the last one. They don't give people something to do next. And as marketers, it's our obligation to drive them to something, even if it's a change in thought or deed or, or you know, um, click to subscribe, download an asset, you know, have something. a conversation <laughs> with someone who can help you solve your problems, something. So many times people who blog will just simply conclude the article and not give a CTA of some kind. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a good formula that he outlines there. So it's three points, right? First of all, what is the topic? Define the topic. Explain it from different angles. Explain it comprehensively. Second, what does it mean for me, the reader? And third, what should I do next? Now, you might also think about other related questions that you can answer about your topic. So what's the next question or the next line of questions that your readers would have? Maybe you want to include some information that's helpful in avoiding situations like this in the future altogether. Now, Google actually helps you out here with this, so check this out. Here we have the People Also Ask section. Google literally gives you questions that you can answer in the blog, questions that are related to your search, questions that serve as additional keywords within the blog, while also serving people who have come to Google with this specific need. Now, when you click on them, Google gives you more questions. So that same list just expanded here, right? Like, look at all of these. This is a gold mine. Now, they're not all going to be great or useful, but they can certainly help you get more ideas about what else to include in your article and which questions to answer. Now, you might be asking yourself, why would I answer all of these questions? Why make the post longer? Well, the answer is because longer blog posts perform better. Blogs are actually getting longer over time, as you can see here. And also, bloggers who write longer content tend to see better results. Now, this doesn't mean that you should write superfluous blogs that go on and on and on, right? Far from it. But what you should do is cover a topic completely. Answer the relevant questions related to that topic and make sure that the information is correct. 
Writing a good blog takes time. A lot more than you might think. There's a lot of strategy, planning, and research that goes into a blog before you even start writing it. Right? We haven't even started talking about how to write the blog. And this all depends on the type of blog that you're writing. But it can take hours to complete from start to finish. It's not an activity, it's, it's a process, right? It's not a journal entry, especially if you want your content to stick. Okay, so this likely means you're going to have to do some research before you write the blog. You've got to know what you're talking about. Now, not only that, but the research is going to help out with that writer's block if you get stuck as well, because it's just like knowing your customer. If you know the topic well enough, you'll have a good idea of what to say next. So research the topic, right? Analyze the SERP, but also read those articles. What are they saying? What do they get right? What do they miss the mark on? Think about examples that you could pull in to strengthen your blog article. Are there stats that you can pull in? What about images, videos, links related to information and articles? Linking to other articles within your post helps boost your blog's credibility in the eyes of Google. And it also shows the audience the point that you're making. It backs it up with tangible evidence. Showing and not telling is a huge part of writing a blog that resonates with your audience. Now, when I was writing blogs with the content team, content team here at ActiveCampaign, we had a process for all of the pre-writing. We called it the dumplet. The dumplet being a portmanteau of the phrases brain dump and template, and portmanteau being a word that blends the sounds and combines the meanings of two others. Sadly, portmanteau isn't a portmanteau. That would be two on the nose, I guess. Anyway, I digress. The dumplet was a Google Doc that had the keyword research, the SERP analysis, the related questions, ideas for stats or images or anecdotal evidence, examples It had interesting points from other blogs that were currently ranking for the keyword, and a whole bunch of related phrases that should probably be worked into the actual article. It was everything that we needed before we started outlining and writing in one place. It helps to organize your thoughts, your ideas. It starts to help you connect the dots and weave the story that you want to tell within your blog post. And it made the outline process so much easier. And let me tell you, if you have a strong outline that's pretty well fleshed out, writing the blog is going to be exponentially easier than if you didn't. So do your research and outline, but don't take it from me. Take it from keynote speaker, best-selling author, and co-founder of Convince and Convert, Jay Baer. And I think today um, it's different because there's very few topical stones unturned hmm. with blogs, right? So, so if you're going to write a blog, um, you probably ought to do a bunch of research on what's out there on that topic now. Right. Because if you're hoping that, that organic search is one of the ways, at least, that you get traffic, you better figure out who's getting that traffic now, and then why would they read yours instead? Is it... Is yours more current? Is it more data-filled? Is it got more visuals? Is it longer? Is it somehow more comprehensive? Like, you know, why would somebody click yours and read yours as opposed to somebody who already wrote about that three months ago? Right. And I guess that sort of ties back to the thought leadership thing, right? Because if you do it long enough and, and they answer that you question. You get the benefit of the doubt. You, right. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the music business, right? So uh, I was having this conversation um, with Jason Miller, somebody that you know uh, something about here at Active Campaign, last night in the bar, and he was saying, you know, you think about a band like Radiohead, who has such a long time following, right? And and you know their fans, and I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Their fans 
love them, love the band, love everything about it, and it doesn't matter what they put out, right? Their, their fans will buy it because they are thought leaders of that style of music, I guess, if you want to use a tortured metaphor. Um, and the same thing is true, think about somebody like Edelman. They could put out three terrible trust barometer studies in a row. They wouldn't, but they could, and it wouldn't matter. Everybody would still download it, still cite it, still read it, because they've, they've put up so many successes in the past that people are going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, yeah. and it works the same way with blogging, right? If, if you have delivered the goods enough times, people will give you the benefit of the doubt the next time. Okay, okay. Jay mentioned a lot there, but he finished with a really great insight. There's all the stuff that goes into an individual blog post, right? There's selecting a topic, researching the topic, researching the keywords alongside the topic, outlining, editing, writing. But, but look, in order to find success with your blog, consistency is key. As we talked about in an earlier episode on thought leadership, episode one of season two, consistency and quality are the two ingredients for earning trust, credibility, and ultimately being given the benefit of the doubt, as you just heard Jay mention. In fact, inconsistency is one of the most common mistakes of blogging. So let's, uh, let's return to Jay here for a second insight. What do you see as like a, one of the, the most common mistakes or biggest pitfalls in terms of, of blog writing? Um, inconsistent cadence, Okay, you know? Um, the biggest mistake you can make as a blogger is relying on inspiration instead of perspiration. This idea that, like, I'm going to write a blog post and I feel motivated to write it. Right. Well, imagine, like, Sports Illustrated did that. Like, hey, guys, we just didn't feel like doing a magazine this week. Like, we just, you know, we're not into it. You know, we're not feeling it, right? Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll give you a magazine when we're feeling it. Like, you can't, like... A blog is a publication, and just because it exists on a computer doesn't mean it's different than Sports Illustrated or People or any other kind of periodical or the New York Times or whatever. So, you know, you've got you've to come up with something to say right. on, a, on a regular basis. And if you can't, then it's not really a blog, right? It's just a series of random articles. Yeah, it's your inspiration journal. Yeah, you just got, yeah, exactly, which, you know, there's a time and place for that. Right. But I think it's tricky to become a thought leader, um, if you're just going to write something every once in a while. Mm. Okay, so Jay wasn't the only one to mention consistency as a major key to success when developing a blog. Lee also spoke to the importance of being consistent and what the results of his consistency have been over time. So let's take a listen to that. Has that sort of been a thing, you know, through the consistency and the sheer, you know, how prolific you've been, has that been a contributing factor to the thought leadership? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, developing an, you know, using a blog as a platform for communicating ideas, throwing digital spaghetti against the wall, so to speak, to see if ideas would resonate, uh, has been uh, an, uh, beneficial so much. And I mean, our blog would get, you know, I don't know, just thousands of visitors a day, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Sure, I could go spend advertising money on landing page content or ideas or campaigns and trying to see if that's going to work or not. Or I could put that idea out to our community that's going to get just as much audience, and I can do that on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, there are some publications where it's like, oh, gosh, I wish I could get an article in this pub or that pub. Well, I could just publish on our blog and between that and social media have as much distribution as some of the publications that we're you know, aspiring to be in. And so from a thought leadership standpoint, um, being able to publish and test ideas and see if they resonate 
has been very, very beneficial because you can iterate off of that. And it's like, oh, that didn't, you know, I've made up expressions like participation marketing or uh, dig, uh, digital asset optimization. And, um, and lately I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on this idea of instead of influencer marketing, creator marketing mm. or collaborative marketing, you know. And so I'll put blogs out there about that and I'll, you know, do what you do to be the best answer, get earned media, you know, create video content, audio content, and all the different things and see if it resonates. And right. if it does, we'll inevitably be perceived as a thought leader on that topic. Mm. So it's almost like if, you know, like you were saying with the publications, you know, if you can't get into the conversation, like create the conversation kind of deal? That's exactly. If, if you want to be in the media, be the media. Mm. Now, blogging is certainly a way to get yourself closer to being the media, as Lee said. But again, consistency and quality are your goals. Consistency in frequency of blogs that you put out, but also consistency in the quality of your articles as well. And as we've covered here, you want to write for humans and search engines, but mostly for humans. Because if you write for humans well, if you answer the questions, if you cover the topics thoroughly, you're going to find yourself writing for the search engines without even trying. And that brings us to the actual writing of a blog, right? How do you write a blog? Are there best practices for that? for style, for design, what works, what doesn't. Well, like all things in marketing, it depends. But there are some things that you should do to help make your blog more readable. So first, we've said it, but we'll say it again, write like a human. Write as simply as you can. Make it easy to understand, right? You're not William Faulkner, you're not Maya Angelou, and your readers don't expect you or want you to be those people. Short sentences, short paragraphs, simple language, I'm talking about use instead of utilize or leverage. Please don't use those. Uh, lets you instead of allows you to. Say you're good with words instead of someone who utilizes language proficiently, right? You're not writing a resume here. You're writing a blog. So remove the unnecessary words. Cut the fluff. Simplify the complicated and write in the active voice. There's actually a tool that can help you with all of this, and it's called Hemingway App. This is what the tool looks like. Check it out. It tells you uh, where your writing is kind of hard to read and very hard to read. It tells you when you can use a simpler word, when you can get rid of an adverb. And it tells you when there are passive sentences to be made active by you. Eh? You'll see which reading level that you're writing for. And again, it's always better to write simple. Jack Kerouac once said, one day I will find the right words and they will be simple. And then he probably wrote a four-page long sentence with no punctuation marks, no semblance of time, and at least 15 different made-up words. But you're not going to do that. You will write short, direct sentences. Nobody wants to read writing that resembles a college term paper. Nobody really wants to write that way either, unless you're an academic. But otherwise, write like a human, and you could use these tips as well. Again, short sentences, short paragraphs. I would say four to five lines of text at most. This creates much more negative space as well and makes the writing more digestible. Also, it eliminates big walls of text, which are intimidating. They look like work. People don't want to read them, so break them up. Do you have a list of things? Put it in a bulleted list or a numbered list. I personally like nested bullets as well, but some people have strong opinions on those. But either way, lists grab attention. They keep attention. They make you look at the sentence above the list, what, right? What, what is this list? What am I looking at? They'll make you read the list, and then they'll see what you have to say about it at the end. They jump off the page. Numbers do too. Again, break your article into sections. 
Mark each new section with a header, like the, the title of this list. But make sure that your headers are title worthy. Include keywords in them, or set them up like questions, and then answer those questions right away in the section. One, this helps your readers understand what they're reading, where they're reading, and each new section. But two, it also helps Google understand your article. It's a win-win. Finally, use different types of media within your article to break it up. Images are great. Videos are great. Infographics, GIFs, or GIFs. The world is your oyster. Just make sure that whatever media you add is relevant, that it adds to the overall quality of your article, or that they illustrate a point. Remember, show, don't tell. Finally, and I cannot stress this enough, edit your blogs. Line edit them, edit them for the concept, for thoroughness, for simplicity, for clarity. Edit someone else's blogs. Editing other people's writing is such a great way to improve your own. Take a look at the blogs on other websites and, and edit those for fun, right? Just for yourself. See if you can't improve the clarity. See if there's not a better way to say something. See if there's not a way to simplify some of the ideas. And then have other people edit your blogs and your other writings. The editing process is where you make the music happen. Or you make the magic happen. Or you make both the music and the magic happen. Regardless, when you edit, good stuff happens. So as you write and you publish more blogs, you're going to get better you'll get a better feel for your process, the types of content that your audience resonates with and your own voice and style. Now, we could go on for hours, literally hours, about the different types of content, the details of the Google algorithm, that sounds exciting, semantically related keyword phrases, and the necessity of the Oxford comma. But the best way to learn is to get out there and do it. Now, before we go, we've got some final advice and tips from Jay and Lee, so let's take a listen to those. So with, with all of your experience writing blogs, what is one thing that you sort of like, it took you, you know, what was the aha moment? Mm. Where did things kind of like shift where you were doing things one way and then you went, oh, of course. Um, that's an interesting question that nobody's ever asked me. Um, well, I, I, this is a, a, an answer that is no longer relevant, but I think it's illustrative. Um, when I was really blogging a lot and getting started, um, at least as Convince and Convert, um, was when blog comments were a really big thing. Okay. Right? People wouldn't go to social to discuss topics. They would have that discussion on the blog itself. And, and all blogs um, had comment sections. And in many cases, the comments were better than the post. It was a, it was a true dialogue and conversation with the readers. And, and you could build a true community of like-minded individuals. And, and, and so one of the things that I learned actually um, from Chris Brogan, who's a, a well-known um, digital marketing expert and thought leader, um, in the early days was don't finish the blog post. Mm. And, and what he means by that, and what I mean by that is the tendency as a writer, and I'm a writer first, like I do all the things now, I have videos and podcasts and, and puppet shows and everything else, but I'm first and foremost a writer. And uh, as a writer, if you're writing a blog post, which is essentially an article or a column, you want to kind of tie it up in a bow at the end, right? Last paragraph kind of closes it out. You're right. like, oh, I, I felt like I you know, finished the coffee or whatever. Yeah. But when you're trying to solicit reactions, um, or in those days, comments, and you want people to share it or do something, if you, if you make it too tidy from at the end, it, it actually doesn't force an action. So what Chris used to tell me to do is write your post and then just delete the last paragraph. 
And then it ends kind of abruptly and yeah. sort of like, and then people are like, well, wait, like, well, what's the end? And it forces them to actually fill in the blanks themselves or ask questions about it in the comments. It was a really good tip. I think Hemingway actually used to do that with the really? novels. Oh, yeah, it's there like you go. either the last chapter or the last page. Yeah. Just kind of like leave yeah, it, just let it go. somewhere. Yeah. And See, there you go. As far as, you know, like best practices or maybe even aha moments as you've been, you know, through all this time writing the blog, is there anything that stands out to you that sort of, you know, there was like a, a blog writing career before and then this thing happened and then there was the, the after? I think realizing that it's, it, it's not about you. Mm. Uh, you know, you asked if it was a part of a conversation. It really is. And I found that by enlisting the help of other outside experts in the actual creation of the content, um, that went a long way towards creating affinity, meaning the borrow to build, right? So by collaborating with other industry experts that I would want to be like mm -hmm. on content creation and publishing that content on our blog, um, it created influence for us by association. And it also created relationships with those people that extended far beyond the actual blog writing into true relationships, friendships, and even business. Yeah, you can, yeah, that's, that's great. It's uh, sort of the, the opportunity or the, the first door that opens in those relationships. Your blog is a tool. It's a tool for building organic traffic, for helping your customers find you, for getting your ideas out there, for becoming a trusted voice and an authority for creating relationships with partners in your industry and for starting a conversation. Now, the key takeaways here are that blogging for your audience is exponentially easier when you actually know who your audience is, right? When you know your customer. Use the blog as another way to solve their problems and answer their questions. Put your customer at the center of your blogging efforts and your blogging process. Choose topics with them in mind. Write your blogs with them in mind. What's the information that they want to know? What's the information that they need to know? Now, the second key here is research. Be deliberate about choosing what you write about. Search for it first. See what makes sense. Do some analysis and some research. There are tools that can help you, as we've talked about, you know, from Google Trends to BuzzSumo to SEMrush and Moz. Find the tool that you like, the one that works for you, that helps you decide what you want to write about. And then... Research the heck out of the topic. Learn as much as you can. Write what you know. Talk to people who know about it. Find examples, stats, studies, anything. Synthesize that information into a blog and make sure that it answers the questions or solves the problems that you set out to solve. Third takeaway, outline. Outlining makes the writing process so much easier. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes it easier. A pre-outline dumplet can help that too. Fourth, edit. 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 Read it back. Read it aloud. Break it up. Remove the repetition. Simplify. Remove the adverbs and the complicated compound sentences. Run it through the Hemingway app or give it to your colleague and make sure that it's clear, that it's concise and easy to understand before you hit publish. And finally, consistency. If you follow the first four takeaways, you'll create quality content. The hard part is doing that consistently. Now remember what Jay said, don't rely on inspiration, rely on perspiration. Creating valuable blog content can be an engine of traffic and leads for your business. It can be transformative for your brand, personally and professionally. It can create trust, solve problems, win you new business from customers that literally would never have found you otherwise. So get out there and write some blogs.
That's our show. Thank you so much for your time today. Join us in two weeks as we break down deliverability factors and engagement tagging. Until next time, this has been Growth Decoded. I'm Ernie. This is Plantasia. Go forth and automate. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow Team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.